Well, I think that it's uh, always fun to mention the fact people I have come into the studio that used to work here at WXAN many years ago. So you told me you worked here at the station in 83, 84. Yeah, 83 and 84, right in that area, right before I went to pastor up north by Rockford. And what were you doing here at that time? Uh, Sales, mainly a little bit uh, on the air, but mainly sales. Uh Uh-huh. And did uh, Harold Lauder hire you? Do you remember anything about that process? Uh, Harold Lauder, and there was a manager here at that time, and I'm trying to think of what his name was, but I can't remember it this time. Mm -hmm. It's been many years ago. Uh, But anyway, yes, they hired me here, and and I worked here at the radio station. Like I say, I ended up going up north to pastor. Well, very good. Um, I'm sure that things look very different, but probably much the same, as it's the same building and um, same call letters and everything out front. So fun to share that yes. memory for sure. Um, we're going to be talking with you today about a program called ACTS, and it stands for Alcohol Chemical Treatment Series, Bringing Families Together That Are Worlds Apart. And this is a, a program that well, well, we're going to talk about exactly how it works and and what it does. But I first want to introduce you to the audience in that people come to be involved with programs like this often because they have an experience in life that leads them to have a passion for helping people with these sorts of problems. And you have that sort of story. Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was raised in a good Christian home uh, by good Christian parents. And, um, of course, my family all played music, and we sang. And uh, uh, my dad uh, played, and and, uh, he taught me to play the guitar when I was six and played the drums and stuff. And uh, we would even go to nursing home and and sing and all of that. Yeah. And uh, I was called to preach, believe it or not, when I was 11 years old. And um, I wrestled with that. But uh, I ended up one night at a youth service, our pastor, which was Brother Carraway at the time, uh, he had me do a uh, preach a sermonette at the youth service. Um, so I preached that sermonette, and then uh, uh, I didn't really like to get in front of people, even singing and all of that kind of thing. The two worst subjects I had in school and co- high school and college was speech because mm-hmm. I hated to get in front of people. And so I did not really want to preach, and I was struggling with things in that area. And uh, my dad, at uh, 13 years old, when I was 13 years old, two weeks from turning 14, uh, my dad died uh, at home. He collapsed in my arms. Um, And so we ended up burying him on Christmas Eve when I was 13 and um, just a couple weeks from turning 14. By the time I was 15, I had turned bitter towards God and bitter towards everything. My mom couldn't do a thing with me, and um, not saying that braggadociously by any means, um, but uh, I ended up, um, she sent me to live with my brother who was in the Army in Fort Meade, Maryland, hoping that maybe he could do something with me, uh, which was didn't turn out that way, that he could do much either. And he got out of the military uh, when his time was up, and I came back to Southern Illinois, and uh, I lived here. Uh, I joined the Marine Corps um, later on, and uh, I uh, left to go in the Marine Corps. I didn't know anything about drugs. The only thing I did was, you know, I was getting drunk all the time. And and I, I do want to say this. I will throw this in because I think it's so important. I've given my testimony only by request in a lot of places all over the country. Um, but when I do, I really try to emphasize to young people, you know, for so long, uh, Will, it almost was like, um, 
we it was like we glorified or lifted up the one who had been out of church and had a testimony and they came back yeah you know? uh, and that is a witness to god but it's sure not a witness to the person you know what i mean and um I had gone out and been out for for many years, and I tell the young people, any place I go, I do not have the testimony. Anybody who has stayed in church and lived for God and has never experienced these things has the testimony. I had three real good friends growing up that later, after I was out of church and doing all the things that I was doing, uh, they ended up uh, preaching, and they went around traveling all over southern Illinois just as teenagers, uh, 14, 15 years old, uh, preaching revivals, weekend revivals and all that. There was three of them. And uh, I was meant to be the first one of them, but I ended up going the other direction after my father died. And um, so I ended up in that kind of life. And that, like I started to say, when I went in the Marine Corps, I didn't know a thing about drugs. And uh, But I was drinking all the time heavily. And I'd gotten married right before I went in the Marine Corps. Um, and so... Uh, one night, a friend of mine, I was a sergeant of the guard. Now, if you can catch this, you know, uh, if they would have caught me, I'd still be in Leavenworth probably. <laughs> uh, but I was the sergeant of the guard, and um, a friend of mine came, and he said, hey, man, he said, let's go let's go smoke one, you know. And I had never done that. And uh, so he said, you never tried. And I said, no. He said, well, come on, let's go. So I put my assistant in charge, and I said, I'll be back in a little bit, and uh, I'll take it for the night, you know. And so we went. And, of course, I had to kind of let things wear off, you know, mm-hmm. before I went back. And I told my assistant, I said, I'm going to lay down for just a little bit. Give me a couple hours. I'll get up and take it for the rest of the night. And the next thing I know, he's in there grabbing me and shaking me. Man, the CO's on board. CEO's here. Get up. And I said, what time is it? He said, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, man, I jumped up and, and tried to get my head cleared and all that. But it went downhill from there. Okay. Mm. And um, when I came home from the Marine Corps for the first, for a couple of years, a year and a half, something like that, it was a mess. Uh, life was a mess. Uh, my family, you know, we were, we were in rocky ground and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I ended up, you know, my wife got in church and uh, went back to church and she came home one Sunday morning and she said, I sat on my lap and she said, well, I got something to tell you. And I said, you don't have to tell me. I know. Hmm. And what the message that she had to tell you was that... Was that she had got back in church, mm-hmm. and she'd give her heart back to God. And uh, I said, well, that's fine. I won't fight you or argue with you on that, you know. And I, and I supported her in that area. Uh, and she was in church, and uh, I, I ended up in a few weeks, three or four weeks, getting in church myself, getting back and giving, you know, getting back. I say getting back in church, but I hadn't fully given my heart to God because yeah. I still didn't want to preach, okay? But that was still a call that you felt on your life. still there, never left. Um, and so one night I was struggling with that. And one night we had rented the gym in Chittyville to play basketball. Our, our church had mm-hmm. men was playing basketball and, um, I went over on the sideline. Of course, I'm still young and full of energy and all that stuff, you know, and, and, uh, I went over on the sideline, sat down and give somebody else a chance to play. And I sat down by one of the elders in the church there. And again, as I said, I was struggling with that. And uh, I sat down, but one of the elders of the church there was sitting on the sideline. He reached over and grabbed me by the knee. And he said, I want to know something. I said, what's that? He said, what are you going to do? Huh. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? What am I going to do? And uh, he said, you know, you have a call to preach. Right. And he said, I heard you when you was 12. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that this uh, I'm so thankful for what God's done yeah 
I can understand why you would be. You've been brought through quite a bit. But anyway, he said, uh, I want to know what you're going to do. He said, you think you're going to sit on a pew all your life. Uh-huh. And uh, from that, I, I, I run like a rabbit. <laughs> and uh, I was back out of church. Now, I didn't go back to all the things I was before. Uh, thank God for that. You know, God delivered me of things then. Even though I'd turned back and went away from him, Will, God delivered me from things then that rehab couldn't do for me in a year. Yeah. I mean, just, he did it. And, and uh, uh, it was just instantly. And, and people don't understand that unless they've been there, you know, to have experienced that. Um, but he did that for me. And even though I turned back on him, I didn't go back to all that stuff. But I lived without being in church and without giving my heart to God for, for several years. And then finally, and my wife ended up back again, too, out of church. Uh, not that I drug her, you know, or anything like that, but it's hard to live together. Sure you know, it is. Like that. Yeah. And so anyway, um, she, after several years, she got back in church again, and she's determined she's going to live for God whether I did or not, hmm. which I'm glad she did because for four years she prayed for me, and uh, she put the misery on me by praying for me <laughs> during that time. And I always tell people jokingly when I preach out at different places and stuff, you know, or have to give this testimony or whatever, I say she cheated because she anointed cloths and had them under my pillow and she had them under my, you know, in my truck, under my dash, you name it. She had cloths anointed and all that kind of thing. So finally, I ended up, God was dealing with me so strongly and I was miserable. And I'd been out of church, back out of church for several years. And she was, like I say, she was in church for four and um, God was dealing with me. And I knew if I got back, if I gave my heart back to God, I was going to have to preach. That, you know, that was the bottom line. And that's why I struggled so hard. Uh, you hear guys, a lot of guys, I've heard them say, I wanted to preach all my life, you know, these preachers. Well, that I never wasn't you. No, that wasn't me. I didn't say that. And uh, so anyway, um, I was really under conviction. And one night uh, I was working in the mines. I worked maintenance in the mines, Peabody. And I was working in the mines. And uh, I was reading something I shouldn't have been reading. And uh, in a magazine, and believe it or not, I'm being under such conviction. Um, well, let me go back a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, a friend of mine who was a pastor had been working with me and working with me. And one day he wanted me to go with him to Cape for something to pick up some carpet. And I said I would. And uh, on the way, we stopped by his house and he went in to change shirts. And when he did, I looked on his end table there and there was a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. I had no clue what that was. Yeah. And I picked it up, started looking at it, you know, and going to be in the smart aleck I was, you know, after he come back in the room, he saw oh, you see my Strong's. I said, yeah. I said, no wonder the guy said named it Strong's. He had to be wore out when he by when the time he, he got done yeah, picking by it the up. Time he got done with this, mm -hmm. and uh, he snowed and he said, let me show you that. So he showed it to me. He said, if you can think of one word out of the Bible, any, even the word of the, he said, you can find it in this. Really? He said, yeah. He said, and let me show you my Thompson chain. I said, okay. So he showed me his Thompson chain, same thing, concordance, you know. Yeah. Not quite to the full extent, but he showed it to me. And he said, uh, you know, he said, you can find anything you want. Well, one of my reasons was for fighting so hard. I knew I've got a family to raise. I've got two beautiful daughters. And, uh, and I was a workaholic. I changed from an alcoholic and from a drug person to a workaholic mm. um and i work for peabody maintenance and like i said i work seven days a week pretty well all the time i've had in over 100 hours a week several times but um at that point you know um i knew i couldn't go back to school and that's why i was wrestling with that well after seeing that i thought well 
you know, you could find anything you wanted in the Bible with that, you know, and all this kind of thing. And so one night there at war, at the mines, as I started to say, uh, the God just out of reading a magazine I shouldn't even be reading. Yeah. God dropped a thought in my mind for us for a message. And I took that magazine and threw it across there. And honestly, the good Lord in his grace and mercy, I said, leave me alone. Talking to God. Yeah. Leave me alone. Uh, if I ever did, this was 3 o'clock in the morning. I remember it distinctly. I said, if I ever did get back and give my heart to you, and if I ever did preach what you know I don't want to, I said, if I ever did, and it sounds silly, but I said, if I ever did, somebody would have to give me a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance to confirm and prove to me that you would be with me and that that was your calling and you'd be with me and I wouldn't have to go to Bible college, but you would lead me and guide me every step of the way. And they'd have to give me, now I'm putting a, a load on God, I think, that he can't handle, <laughs> right. you know, that he can't do. <laughs> and I said, he'd, they'd have to give me a Strong's Exhaust, I mean, and a, and a Thompson Chain Bible because I I wouldn't know where to go to look for scripture at that time, you know. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know how to find stuff, and and that'd be the only way. You'd have to somebody have to give me those things to confirm that. Well, that was on a Thursday morning, about three o'clock in the morning. I worked midnights, and um, I want you to know my brother and his wife were coming over for the weekend, and uh, they came over to Sparta, and and. Uh, they walked through the door, and she had a sack under her arm in one arm, and she had a Bible in the other arm, and come walking through the door. And I told her, I said, now, we in, I invited you over for the weekend to stay with us, but I didn't invite you over to preach at me. All right. So don't tote your Bible. You ain't going to preach at me. <laughs> and she said, no. She got this funny look on her face, and she said, no, I didn't come to preach at you, but I do want to talk to you about something before we leave. I said, okay. So anyway, we spent the time there, and they were getting ready to leave. And when we were getting ready to leave, she said, you know, I told you I had something I wanted to talk to you about. I said, yeah. And she still had that, like a Kroger sack or whatever, paper bag under her yeah. arm, you know. And I said, yeah. She said, well, she said, I don't know. She said, I've argued with God and wrestled with God. And she said, I just don't understand, and I want you to explain something to me. And I said, what's that? She said, Thursday morning at 3 o'clock. In the morning, God woke me up and said to give you this. And she pulled out a strong, exhaustive concordance, just exactly like the one I had looked at. Wow. And she said, that's not all. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, she said, I couldn't get it in time to get it over here to you. But she said, I've got a Thompson chain order with your name on it. Wow. And she said, now, can you explain that to me or tell me why? I said, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> and she said, well, I've argued with God, and I wanted to give you a paperback because at that time, the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the hardback, was pretty, pretty expensive. Pretty expensive, yeah. yeah. And she said, I've argued with God, and I've wanted to give you this paperback, but I could not do it. She said, God told me definitely to give you this Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and it's just exactly like the one that I had seen at my at, our, at my friend's house there, hmm. you know. And uh, she said, now, I just don't understand it. I'd like for you to explain it. I said, I haven't got it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I knew what it was. Yeah, and, and that's and that's really what began your acceptance of God again and, and your new role yeah. in the ministry yeah. as, as it unfolded. Yes, and I knew that if I gave my heart back to God, what I was called to do, and I was going to have to do it. Yeah. And you know, it's so amazing, Will, when you turn when you turn around, um, and you really give it to God. 
you know, the thing that I didn't want to do, I love to do. Right. Uh, I pastored for 19 years up by Rockford and Belvedere. Uh, and I was pastoring in less than two years from the time I got gave my heart back to God. Mm. I was pastoring in less than two years. Uh well, the devil really just wants you to look through the keyhole, oh, yes. and, and you can only sometimes see a limited vision, but then once, you, once God gives you the keys, then you can see the entirety of what he wants for your life. And so it's a big, it's a big, big change, and it takes a long time sometimes to get over the fear of just being able to see that narrow vision, you know. And when you allow God to take over, he can he took care of that fear, and it was no longer a fear. Right. In fact, I hear many, I've heard many preachers, many preachers say that uh, they're nervous and they get a little queasy, you know, even after years. Years of before, And I'll yeah. have to be honest with you, uh, I, from the very first, when I stepped behind the pulpit, I was never nervous, never, it was like God just said, don't worry about it, I'll take over. Yeah. I, you know, I'll take that. And God blessed us, and we went to uh, we went through a real trial that was something else before we left here. Um, and God had to take everything out of my grip and out of my grasp after mm. I'd gotten church, you know, um, because He had something better for us. And uh, you know, we went through something I wouldn't wish anybody would go through, except if they was going to see the results and see the work of God afterwards. You sure. Know? And uh, but anyway, we went up to Belvedere area, and we started out up there with uh, seven people, and uh, in uh, eight months we was running an average of eighty-five, and by the time we'd been there a year, we was running an average of one hundred twenty to one hundred twenty-five, and uh, so God and it all. I will say this and throw this in there: it all our real revival started with a young man that was in the city of Belvedere that everybody knew him. He was a $250 a day Coke addict mm. and he got delivered and prayed with him and worked with him, taught him a Bible study. He got delivered. I mean, I taught him the Bible study after he was delivered and in church. Uh, but he was $250 a day Coke addict and God delivered him of that instantly, just as he had delivered me in my situation. And in that situation, uh, that brought revival tremendous to our church. That's what, that's why we went from seven people in eight months to 85. Wow. Our guest in the studio today is a Reverend Bruce Peffer. And, uh, Bruce, I'm just going to push through this first commercial break, honestly, because I, I'm enjoying this conversation and I want to sort of keep the continuity of it. Um, this, I want to bring us up to today and this ACTS program uh, that you're involved in. First, just tell me what it is. Well, it's a program that is, uh, it's accepted by the court systems all over the country. Uh, we have, um, if you will, we have um, ACTS as an acronym for Alcohol Chemical Treatment Series. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of very few programs that's recognized and approved by the court system, both federal and state courts. Uh, we have letters of endorsement from both state and federal judges, from probation officers and probation offices. Uh, we have that from uh, schools and school systems, 
all over the nation. You see, the AXE program uh, meets worldwide today. Uh, in the late 90s, more than 25,000 each week attended an AXE program somewhere in this country, and we were involved in that back then. Um, so more than 25,000 uh, a week attended the AXE programs in the U.S. alone. But today, this is a worldwide program. Uh, meetings, uh, you know, are held every week. And this is not all there is. My wife and I, uh, my wife Pam and I, are currently both licensed instructors uh, with Life and Focus Education, which is a part of the AXE program. We are uh, licensed instructors with AXE, and we are also licensed instructors in anger management. Mm -hmm. And also with this, which we're not licensed yet in that, certified in that area, but we're looking to be. Uh, also, there is uh, family. Uh, marriage, uh, parenting, there's different ones. But the ACTS program is mainly with working with people who are chemically dependent and their families. We will also be having a support group uh, for some, maybe that maybe their family is there or somebody is there that they brought, or, or maybe they're not there. Maybe it's somebody who just needs that support that they have a family member. And you have a uh, ACTS, is it a chapter? How, how are these things organize these uh, treatment uh, series well it, it's just a it's an instructional treatment series uh we begin this um with refreshments you know sometimes we'll even have food uh, and all mm -hmm. and um at that time they enroll you know or put, put down our name if they wish and all that kind of thing uh and except those who are ordered by probation or courts or whatever and then we have to keep track of all of that uh but then we go into uh where we talk about the drugs and what they do and the different and we we usually have a different one each week one week might be alcohol another week might be cocaine another week you know we're discussing the effects and the effects in the family and all of that kind of thing and we're kind of bringing an educational portion to that and um we also bring in a history of how that ties in with people and that's what really relates with people okay we bring in a history um and it's not necessarily that these people were chemically dependent uh, but and, and it's using biblical examples, such as we talk about somebody who had failed in a marriage and the things and all this kind of stuff. And we're actually using it as a point of history, but who it is, is would be like King David mm -hmm. in his fall. Okay, uh, but how God brought him, you know, and, and how that he managed to, to continue and, and come out of it. Now, we're not teaching Bible. That's how it's uh, accepted by the court systems and all that. But yet it's tying that in a, to a point of history. Sure. Yes. And um, and so a lot of times in the in the uh, examples and the analogies that we use, it really turns a light on in people's lives because they can see in their own life these things you know what i'm saying and and you're meeting at the uh, heron house of hope every monday starting this coming monday is yes. that right yes that's correct and in, in the uh, heron house of hope um, i believe reverend troy benetton is he involved with that um i just know john there at okay. the present time well i've interviewed i believe troy on some things through that heron house of hope also but in any case with this x program you're meeting every monday it's at 112 North 14th Street in Heron, beginning at 6 p.m. You have refreshments and interaction or fellowship, and then at 6.30, an Acts uh, session, 7.15 discussion, and 7.30 uh, you close. However, a person can remain for counsel or discussion if desired. Um, is there any kind of 
pre-registration? Can somebody just show up? That can just show up. Um, you know, we we are mainly, uh, I mean, you know, what we're looking to work with is people who either have been and maybe still need support, you know, in this area, or people that are bound by chemical addiction, whether it be alcohol or whatever. Uh, we're looking to be able to, you know, it's not just, we don't just want, you know, it's not just an open thing for because there's things maybe that's discussed there. Right. That, uh, you know, unless somebody's been there and plus it's kind of a thing somebody might be discussing something uh, and it's not going to be the old war stories. You know, I mean, I got all kinds of war stories I can tell about my bad days. You right. Know? Uh, it's not anything like that. Uh, it's just the simple fact of being there to encourage. It's being there to try to help. And This and isn't a 12-step program. No, no, it is not a 12-step. Not saying anything or taking anything away from that, but uh, it is not that, uh, but it is to try to help educate us, to try to help be a support to people and uh, do anything in any way we can to help them. And there's no cost involved for them? No cost whatsoever. Transportation is available because in a lot of times in people's lives in this situation, you know, they may not have license or may not have transportation or whatever. Transportation will be available. Uh, we have a number to call. Mm-hmm. I would give that now, and if you, you know, we could give it later. Sure. Uh, that way, if somebody didn't have a pen or whatever, they could write that down for information uh, on the the uh, class or the session uh, or information on transportation. You can call six one eight three one nine zero three four six and you can call that anytime uh and if we're there uh at the office area we will answer the phone if not we have a voicemail and we'll get back to you just as quick as we get off the other line or get back in we've been talking this morning or i should say this afternoon with uh, the reverend bruce peffer he is involved with an ongoing alcohol chemical treatment series also known as the axe program it meets uh, every Monday at 6 p.m. at the Heron House of Hope at 112 North 14th Street in Heron. This is a program that helps people with alcohol and other chemical addictions. You can get more information by calling 618-319-0346. And as he just mentioned, transportation is available. Uh, Reverend Pepper, anything else we need to mention about this program before we let you go today? Well, uh, no, we're hoping to maybe broaden the scope a little bit and maybe come in later, uh, get uh, certified for working with uh, families on marriage and families on parenting and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now we're we're certified in the uh, instruction here on anger management. And, and the reason for anger management is because a lot of times by the court systems, they're ordered to take anger management right? Or, or schools sometimes. And that has been a success of this within schools. Uh, within schools, they have many times uh, referred and somebody has to mandatory attend anger management or whatever like that. Yeah, well, the two kind of go hand in hand. Whenever you're constantly either getting high or getting over getting high, problems that uh, present themselves tend to elicit and anger response um, because just people's tolerances in all sorts of ways get uh, out of proportion yeah and so you're absolutely right that one thing lends itself to the other yeah and i had a real problem with anger 
I did because, uh, you know, like I said, I was bitter with the death of my father. And, of course, the alcohol and the drugs and the stuff like that didn't help. Yeah. And I had a real problem with anger. It's just the mercy and the hand of God. Uh, a friend of mine who was an elder, uh, he was like, took me under his wing like a dad. And he, after I'd retired, I had to retire for health reasons. And after I retired from pastoring, uh, I was there to visit him one day, and he he told me, he said, I've never told you this, Bruce. But he said, I've told Barb, that's his wife. He said, I've told Barb, I don't know how many times. He said, I he said I I never dreamed you'd ever be a preacher. Hmm. He said I've always told Barb I didn't think there was a thing in the world I was going to be able to do to keep you out of prison. <laughs> well, and uh, the Lord can do all things. Uh, well, we really appreciate you coming by today and visiting with us and talking about this. Uh, is there a place that uh, do you have a, a online presence of any kind i don't see it here but no we're fixing to put we're getting ready to to put a facebook page on okay we're getting ready to have a facebook page i me i you know i'm when it comes to technology i still would use a crank phone i so would I'm, i would be more than happy for us to go back to those days yeah. um, but ride a horse and use a crank phone my <laughs> wife will ha- is going it's going to have to do that for us and and we have she hasn't got been able to get around to that yet but we are going to do that right away alcohol chemical treatment series at the heron house of hope it meets every monday starting september the 12th at 6 p.m if you need more information about it uh, 3190346 or just call here to the station and we can get you the information reverend peffer thank you so much for being with me today thank you for allowing me the opportunity and the privilege